What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. My name is Jacob Cooker, but my friends call me Cub, and you should too. Every day on the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast, we discuss faith, spirituality, in the realms of paranormal. Today, I've got a great episode for you guys. Extra dimensionals in the Bible. You need to know this. This is the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast, episode 370. 370, guys. We're on the way to 400 here. I cannot thank you enough for making this one of the top podcasts within spirituality out there on the interwebs. I really, really appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, if you have not already shared it with a friend, I appreciate that. If you have not already rated it uh, in a positive manner on Apple or Spotify, please consider doing that. You can do all of that through my website at cubcooker, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com, cubcooker.com. As we got people joining today, um, this is an episode that I actually had prepared a little while ago at the beginning of the year, and I never did it because... I just kept having other episodes pop up that I wanted to do. And uh, we're going to look at seven very particular instances within the biblical canon. Um, and when I say the biblical canon, I mean the actual agreed upon 66 books of the Bible here in the West. The King James, for all intents and purposes, canon of Scripture. Um, with that said... There's a lot of what we would consider extraterrestrial interaction within the biblical canon. Um, we may even go as far as to say extra dimensional, extra dimensional. Sorry about the cameras, guys. Um, uh, you know, one of these days we're going to have a big, awesome professional studio. We're going to have multiple cameras and people working the cameras and it'll just be like this awesome professional production. But until then, you get me out of my office, out of my home studio here, uh, which I'm very grateful for. But uh, occasionally I have to wiggle the camera because it uh, it tries to fall off of its stand. So um, we've got some beautiful new artwork today uh, in the background on both sides here. If you're watching on the recording over on uh, Facebook, YouTube, or X, um, if you're watching on TikTok, I've got the artwork in the background. Guys on Instagram, I'm sorry. Take it up with Instagram. They don't let you do artwork in the background. I don't know why. It's it's just really boring to me looking at me in a room. But, you know, whatever. That That's what they want. So, um, We're going to get into this. What's up, Teresa? How are you? I've got seven core Bible verses that I want to share. This is not a religious podcast. Okay, let me repeat that. If you are going to argue with me and argue theology with me, I don't want to hear it. I don't care. I don't care what you believe theologically, okay? that That's your deal with you and your church or your tradition or whatever. I respect it. I have no issue with it. If you're here for more than that, then you're in the right place, okay? If you're here to hear about aliens in the Bible, extra dimensionals specifically, you're in the right place. You're absolutely in the right place because we're going to look at what are the implications, good, bad, and ugly, by the way. If this theory is right, a lot of us could be wrong, okay? If the theory I'm sharing today is right or is correct, at some point in the distant future, thousands of years from now, people discover, oh my gosh, wait a minute, Cub was right. 
all those people, all those ancient astronaut theorists, those were, they were right. If they figure that out, then that means a lot of us have been wrong. That means growing up and going to church and worshiping a particular cultural deity agreed upon by the Christian tradition. That means that maybe I was wrong. And that's really where we have to start with this entire theory that I'm going to talk about today. Be okay with being wrong. Be okay with not knowing. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, am I a man of faith or am I still looking for the truth? Blah, blah, blah. Yes. I, I'm not trying to find the truth, guys. Like, I want to be really honest about that. My show is for entertainment value, okay? If it entertains you and gets you to think bigger about the universe and about your life, then I've done my job. If you come into my podcast or come into my show or my videos and they are offensive to you somehow, you might have a dogmatic belief system, okay? Because I use my imagination. I am taking an image within my mind and extrapolating it into my creative works out in the world, out in the three-dimensional matrix. I like doing that, okay? I don't cool it would be really cool to like find absolute distilled truth in a bottle one day right uh but i don't count on it i don't expect it and i think for too long for millennia people have tried to figure out what's the absolute truth about god and the self and all of that stuff guys the absolute truth about it is you're supposed to be here searching you're supposed to be trying to figure it out it is literally a cosmic game of hide and seek and what is the point of hide and seek to hide, to seek, to find, and then to hide again. Like, there you go. There's the truth. It's literally a giant game that you're playing with yourself. Moonbeam says, nailed it. Thank you, my friend. With that said, I'm not trying to prove that I'm right. I'm not trying to prove that you're right. I'm trying to prove us all wrong, by the way. I'm trying to prove us all, we've been wasting a lot of time. I got to know the absolute truth. Well, Jesus is truth. The Bible is truth. No, no, this is truth. Or that is truth or whatever. One, one, one on the uh, watchers right now for confirmation. We're exploring, Mother Willow says. Absolutely. It's our job to know thyself. The only truth you can and will find in this life is to know yourself. And that's when when people try to argue with me or question me. What do you believe? Are you Are you a man of faith? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus as much as I believe in myself. And by the way, you can only believe in Jesus as much as you believe in yourself. If you put something outside of yourself, then you're always going to be reaching for that thing outside of yourself. If you look within yourself and you find that, oh, the story of Christ is my story all along. What? Wait a minute. <gasps> I just found. Oh, now it's going to hide again. Okay. Now that elusive truth that we're all looking for just hit itself again. It's always within us. Why does it keep hiding itself? Because it's fun. Have a little more fun, guys. Have a little more fun with life. Have a little more fun with your faith. Have a little more fun with your spirituality, and I promise it'll all work out. And if it doesn't, at least you had fun, right? That's the way I practice things. So before I get into this today, I just had to put that disclaimer out there. I'm not trying to be 
anybody's guru. I'm not trying to say Cub has it figured out. Go and follow him. Guys, that's how all of these cults and stuff get started throughout history. I'm not trying to start anything like that. I want to start a movement, a revolution of the mind, okay? Not a particular religious tradition around cubism or whatever. God forbid, right? Because it's not my goal. It's not my motivation either. I don't want a church. I don't want a, a uh, you know, spiritual whatever uh, community in like in real life, like a what they call a commune. Okay, I'm not looking to do that. I'm literally an entertainer. I like to make art artwork. I like to use the tools I have available to take my creative ideas and make them real. And I like to look at things like the Bible, which is clearly and been proven over and over and over by mainstream scholars that it's an amalgamation of a bunch of ancient mythologies. That's it, right? You had a lot of men through history who tried to make it more than that. It's the word of God. We're going to put it together. This, It's all, you know, everything's in there. So why do I keep beating on the Bible drum? Because it's what I was raised with. And it, by the way, is the spiritual authority for, I don't know, like 7 billion people. So, Rodney says, funny you say that. I covered that last night. Thank you, Rodney. Rodney, I did not know you had a podcast. Please send me a link. I would love to check it out. Um, Let's see. They should be used to being wrong. They've been wrong about the rapture every three months for the last five years. I'm trying to figure out how Jacob wrestled with God and won. Talk about your mighty mouse moments. Hello. Yeah, Jacob didn't wrestle God, by the way. Jesus literally clearly says that. Uh, the entire ministry of Jesus Christ in the Bible is to disprove and refute the fact that everyone believed that people had God contact with alien beings when that was not what was happening. They were talking to alien beings. They were being controlled and programmed by alien entities. Okay, good, bad, or ugly. If you want to call them demonic, that's fine. I'm going to show you in the book of Revelation where Revelation actually calls them demonic, by the way. Bet you didn't know that. Revelation literally talks about gray aliens and calls them demonic. But again, from who's, whose perspective? We don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you send it to me on Messenger, Rodney, I have no idea if I'll get it. I get thousands of messages a week. I'm so sorry. You'll have to use my official email. Uh, you can get that through our private community, or you can message me on my private app. That's kind of the best way to get a hold of me. Um, and Rodney, if you want to drop it in the comments, you're welcome to, because I'd love to check it out. Just sorry about Messenger. It's it's uh, it's it's a mess with so many people sending me stuff. A lot of it's just junk, um, and I can't filter. You know, there's no great way to filter with with everything going on. So I, I apologize about that. Okay, what's up, Stephen? Welcome, man. Welcome. Um, this is going to be hard for a lot of people to hear today. This is going to be um, personally transformative when i discovered this what i'm about to share today i got physically ill um 
I want to be really, really clear that I did not gather, garner, or take any of this information from people like Zechariah Sitchin or TV shows like Ancient Aliens, okay? All of which have really good explorations into this. But what I'm sharing today is my absolute, my absolute personal point of view. This is my actual revelations that I've had while I was in the shower or, you know, out hiking or biking, like things that I actually were organically and authentically given to me or through me. So just take that for what you will, right? Um, I hope you guys understand that again, this is not pulling from like ancient aliens. Like I said, they've got some good information on there. I don't always agree with what they say. I don't always agree with Zachariah Sitchin. I'm working out all the details to all this. So what I'm going to share today, you're going to see where there's a lot of aliens and extra dimensional entities within the books of the Bible. But I want to remind everyone, truth is subjective. Okay. In, in the vast game of the universe, what are we really other than we're either pawns in the game or we're kings in the game? And I choose to be a king. I choose to take awareness of my position, my authority to decide what is truth in my life. Danny, what's up, my brother? How are you? Thank you so much. Danny says, Cub, your dedication to Mythos community and this line of studies is amazing. Thank you again, brother. You bet, man. Always, always, always. I will continue to unpack and explore. And by the way, what's the secret to what I do? I'm not smarter than you. I'm not, uh, you know, some prophet that receives downloads all the time. No, I just learned how to channel a higher frequency than most people will ever contact in their life because they don't even know it's there. I've learned how to let go of fear. I've learned how to question the norm and the mainstream. And I've learned how to be really real on camera. That's why some people are like, how, how are you so smart with all this? I'm not smart. I'm just real about it. Because you probably have had the same thoughts. But unlike me, you stopped those thoughts and said, no, that's demonic. That's evil. No, no, no. God's not an alien. And I just kept going down the rabbit hole. I red-pilled myself, right? And so here we are. Here we are. All right. Um, discussions about UFOs and religious texts, including the Bible, tend to be a bit polarizing, clearly. Uh, when some in, while some interpretations suggest extraterrestrial elements, mainstream scholars generally attribute these accounts to symbolic and or metaphorical representations rather than literal descriptions of alien encounters. But what if, just what if, extraterrestrials and extradimensionals were actually depicted in the Bible and mistaken for God rather than celestial beings? Now, I've got an itch on my back. Sorry. Um, Y'all are going to see me just being real today. That's, that's where I'm at. You're lucky I'm streaming. You're welcome that I clicked live. Because this has been a week, I, I swear, after the beginning of the year, it's been harder and harder and harder for me to go live and just to keep doing what I'm doing. 
it's like a, a test of my commitment to what I'm doing. And that's another thing. I'm committed. If you're committed too, be committed. Be committed to exploring. Quit trying to find an answer and have fun exploring. That's like the hardest thing that you will ever learn is, well, what's the point, Cub? I'm going to look and I'll never find anything. No, you'll find a lot. But quit trying to find an answer and start looking at all the puzzle pieces. It's a heck of a lot prettier puzzle when you look at all the puzzle pieces together and quit trying to find just a few of them that fit together and resolve when you realize that they all do. You just have to put them in the right order. Uh, Ashika, thank you so much. Lucky to be here. I appreciate you, my friend. Uh, Joey says, you don't even know what fear is. Your definition is different than others. You're right. I don't know what fear is. Most people live in fear. And I continue to punch fear in the face. I continue to kick it while it's down, okay? It tries to kick me while I'm down, but I just continue to get back up. I continue to say, no, I do not know you, fear. I am not your friend. You are not truth. And that's what I do, continually over and over and over and over. <clears throat> Heavy energy is keeping us between starting something and just trying to be still, Sally says. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Sally. <clears throat> <coughs> excuse me <coughs> and i'm fighting some uh let's call it severe allergies this time of year i've taken more allergy medication <coughs> since the beginning of 2024 than i ever have in my life and i'm still uh still battling it so my apologies today <coughs> if i have to blow my nose on camera then at least I'm being real, right? Ezekiel's wheel inside the wheel. I did a whole episode on this, but we're going to just continue to touch on it. Um, Rock and Robbins, as Billy Carson teaches this, Emerald Tablets and Near-Death Experiences. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Love Billy Carson, by the way. Uh, big fan of Billy Carson. Maybe one of these days he'll deem me worthy to work with him. I think it'd be a great, uh, great conversation or even collaboration um, at some point. So we'll see. Uh, I would love, love, love to have him on and interview him. So maybe he'll have me on one day too. Uh, Ezekiel is where I show people first. Rodney says, absolutely. Uh, Steven says, CMOS, take it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I may have to get some. Thank you. Thank you. I've taken natural honey, turmeric, um, sea salt. I've done... Uh, my allergy meds, I've done vitamin D, uh, zinc, everything. Got, I mean, I'm like a, I'm like a walking pharmacy at this point. I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, but, you know, just keep going. And uh, West Texas this time of year is pretty brutal with the weather. So uh, it'll, it'll get better as we get into spring. Ezekiel's Wheel in Ezekiel 1, 16 through 21, excuse me. Uh, Ezekiel describes a vision of a wheel within a wheel with flashing lights suggesting a complex object in the sky. Now, the interpretation here, for me, UFO enthusiasts propose that this is an ancient UFO sighting. However, mainstream interpretations see it as a symbolic representation of divine presence and power. Again, I believe, um, <clears throat> I believe this was completely misinterpreted. I believe it was completely misinterpreted. Um, 
and you know that's just my uh that's my point of view guys i'm going to change the uh i'm telling you guys it doesn't pay to get out of bed some days so i hope it does today hope you guys consider joining the uh private community uh which i'll be pitching here in a little bit and i'm not much of a baseball player so i hope that my pitches are well received but i'm going to talk about that in a little bit um there we go maybe maybe the camera will work now and quit flashing sorry guys um it's time for some tech upgrades around here me thinks me thinks so uh you guys are commenting so much i can't even read the scripture here so ezekiel uh 1 16 through 21 i'm gonna plug that in we're gonna actually look at this over on bible hub it's a tool i use it's got uh i'm not affiliated with them whatsoever I just really, really like the tool, um, and I use their Strong's Concordance, uh, the interlinear back and forth quite a bit over there, uh, because for me, it's a really, really good tool to explore this stuff with. So uh, Ezekiel 1.16, let me plug this in. <clears throat> All right, there we go. Ezekiel 1.16 in the interlinear let's see where is it the multi is it strong's there we go okay the workmanship of the wheels looked like the gleam of barrel and all four had the same likeness their workmanship looked like uh whatever this is um Try not to sneeze on camera here. I'm sorry, guys. It's uh, like I said, most people would have called into work today. I'm here. Uh, I'm up here on camera, blowing my nose, sniffling and snotting. Feel like absolute dog poo today, but I'm I'm doing it. So uh, that's the difference between me and the next guy. I show up uh, even when maybe I should be napping or something, but you can only do that so much. I'm like, well. Uh, I'll just keep going. A wheel within a wheel. We're going to look at this specific part. This is where, you know, debate on this has been debate. You know, you get esotericists within church and they're, oh, the wheel inside the wheel, it's it's a symbol of the infinity symbol. It's uh, it's supposed to be the interlinking of the wheel within the wheel. You know, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. That's probably a testament to extraterrestrial engineering for sure. But a wheel here is from the Hebrew 212, Strong's Hebrew 212, which means a chariot wheel. A chariot wheel. What? What an interesting thing. So this is Heopon or Ophon is how you say it. Ophon. This is what is called the Ophanim. This is now a classification in angelology called the Ophanim. And it means a wheel of an uncertain derivation. Um, this is also used under King Solomon's chariot. Uh, excuse me, the wheels of the ten bases beneath the uh, lavers of Solomon's temple. Um, King Solomon was controlling demons okay he was wielding power over demons i do not think that he was wielding power over invisible energies which is the actual definition of a demon 
by the way. Demons are not little horned creatures looking to, you know, sit on your chest in the middle of the night and steal your soul. They are unchecked, chaotic energies, okay? And people will take them and rather than manipulate them into something useful, they just let them wreck their life or they take on the consciousness that's already been pre-programmed into that energy. I did an entire daemonology series. It's it's called a daemon, not an actual demon. We get the word demon from the word daemon. So a daemon, again, is like an unchecked energy or consciousness or frequency, whatever you want to call it. So I think King Solomon is actually working with gray aliens. Okay, and I'm going to show you here in a little bit where the book of Revelation refers to them as demons. And very possibly, very possibly, the physical manifestation that we consider a gray alien is the physical counterpart of the metaphysical blue glowing orb or yellow or orange glowing orb that is traveling through time and space and then can manifest as and appear as, what does the Bible say? Appeared as a man, a humanoid, right? Very possible. And I think there's a lot of different, a lot of different classifications of these. I actually think daemons or gray aliens are the technology of the gods. I think they are biologic AI. I think they are the little worker drones for the higher ranking not saying they're better, but the higher ranking Anunnaki or Palladian or whatever you want to call them beings that had to physically like travel here. Okay. Steven says, huh? Yeah. Let me, let me try to get into this. So you have all of these different classifications of alien entities. One of them is the Palladians. Uh, from the Pleiades, from Orion's belt. Okay, those are the ones that I've always been, you know, fascinated with uh, because the Orion constellation has really been on my radar ever since I was a little kid when my aunt showed it to me. And so I became fascinated with it. Uh, a lot of people say if you're fascinated by it, it's where your soul incarnated from, etc. Um, the idea is that humanity is created by these aliens, these Anunnaki beings. And because we're created by them, we all carry a genetic signature of them, 12 core Anunnaki bloodlines, okay? That includes every color of the rainbow of human being that lives on this planet, by the way. That there, there was an Anunnaki bloodline to make up every race of people we have on the planet, okay? Doesn't mean any of us are better than others, but it does what it does suggest, the idea that some of us are predisposed to different things based on where our genetic signature is hailing from. And certain star clusters that we align with might be where our DNA originated from. And therefore, we might adopt the archetypes of people from those star clusters. Very interesting theory. I can't prove it. Uh, can't prove anything I say on this show. Uh, but I can certainly explore it. Um, so Mr. Koto says, oh yes, a TikTok person who knows secret knowledge when others don't, who was told by a special. Well, Mr. Koto, uh, or Coco, Mr. Coco, I'll call you by your proper name there. I'm sure that's your God-given name. Um, if you had listened to the first 27 minutes and 47 seconds, you would understand that I gave a 
rousing speech at the beginning of this stating specifically that I am not a prophet. I'm not a guru. I've just been studying this my whole life and it's something that I'm obsessed with. I'm fascinated with it. It's literally what I wanted to do with my life for a long time. I'm a creative person and I loved uh, the Bible growing up, though I started to heavily question it later in life. And then the, that heavy questioning led me to very uncomfortable answers, which led me to a whole lot more questions and so on and so forth. Just like the movie National Treasure, you know, all you get is more questions. All you get is, you know, more clues, right? But that becomes the fun in the game. So I'm nobody's guru. I don't have special knowledge. This is just what I have experienced. And that's what I'm here to share. Whether you dig it or not, that's up to you. There's always the skip button on the video. It's a fascinating thing. By the way, um, I'm in a mood today. So I'm always in a loving mood. But sometimes I'm in a little bit more... Uh, of a snarky mood. And today I'm a little bit snarky. So, uh, haters be warned. Haters be warned. So, uh, I'm with you on that. Hey, dog says, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Coco says, I, I respect your beliefs. Even if I disagree, my friend, good for you. Good for you. Uh, I really appreciate that. More people need to adopt that mentality rather than trying to challenge and poke at people all the time, like just let people do what they're going to do. I don't, I don't even go into comments of, you know, these, um, you know, postmodern Christian religious fanatics and try to prove them right or wrong. Like I, I don't care. I mean, it's like, you know, you do you and let me do me. And, uh, I have my group of friends here that love what I talk about. Um, you know, and uh, the rest of it, that's up to you. So simply says, uh, love your sarcasm. I appreciate that. Your lives are awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, beautiful. Uh, Azeki, I hope I'm saying your name right. It says, I don't agree or disagree. I simply absorb. That's a beautiful, beautiful understanding. Because when you can sit in non-judgment, then you can actually absorb a whole lot more. And then you can alchemize it later. Like quit trying to judge the information when you get it. Just take it in and then get more data. Like let's be data processing machines. That's what we're supposed to be, by the way, as humans. We're actually incarnated on this planet and we were created by these gods according to all the mythologies. I can't go back and prove that the Anunnaki took a monkey, spliced their genes into it and made us. But I can tell you there are literally thousands of accounts, different accounts on this planet from thousands and thousands of years ago that all say the same thing. You know, in the Greek gods, it's the Greek gods, the Norse gods, it's the Norse gods, the Sumerian, it's the Anunnaki, right? You know, uh, in the, the Hebrew Bible, it's Yahweh or Elohim, which is plural, by the way. So that's really where I, you know, approach a lot of this. So, um, <clears throat> let's see, should respect everyone as we are all one. Amen, my friend. Um, Christy Lee says, be good, not snarky. Um, I can't be good. Um, I can be in the good. Okay. There's, there's a big difference. Um, just being in the flesh, you know, we have all these issues anyway. Right. Uh, and so the only way to be good is to be in that frequency of good. And uh, even my snarkiness comes from the higher good. Like it comes from a place of loving thoughtfulness um, and authentic response to the room, to, to reading the room. So 
Uh, Teresa says, Cub, you are salty. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've been called worse. I like that, though. I'll, I'll take the salty today. You know, margaritas are better with salt. So there you go. Um, Cassie says to Stephen, I do the same thing. Uh, always stare at Orion's belt is what Stephen said. Absolutely, my friend. Me too. So we've got Ezekiel. So this is literally talking about a wheel inside a wheel. And so what they were understanding it as is, you know, you have these chariot wheels, right? And so within here means in the midst, the middle of, or through. Um, and so what I would propose these looked like is either wheels crossing like this or wheels laying into each other like this. Like you have one big wheel and then a smaller wheel lays into it more on top of it. Well, you, what you would consider one of those highly polished UFO type crafts. That's what I imagine this looking like. A lot of people uh, draw them like the cross, you know, the two crossing wheels, almost like a gyroscope. I envision them more as two wheels laying, you know, one laying on the other and more of a highly polished. Uh, because as we see, these are as barrel. Barrel is a crystalline structure, multicolored, lots of different colors in barrel. But it's very beautiful and highly polished. And, it, you know, if you were to see one of these uh, classic UFOs that's all one piece, uh, you know, Bob Lazar purportedly worked on these things at S4. If you've listened to any of his interviews, he allegedly got to go in these craft and work on them. And he's been one of the big whistleblowers for a long time. Whether you believe him or not, I think it's fascinating how that lines up with basically what we're reading in Ezekiel. Um, when we get outside of Ezekiel, it gets even weirder. We're going to go to Revelation 21, 16. Now, this is what is lovingly referred to as the New Jerusalem cube. Okay, this could be a cube and or a pyramid. There's a lot of debate on what it could be. Um, and it says the city lies four square with its width the same as its length. And he measured the city with the rod. And it were equal to 12,000 kiladon, which is a thousand, the number 1,000 from Kiloi Stadia. Stadia is a uh, base measurement, an ancient base measurement, and length and width and height. So we're looking at a super massive, super massive um, structure coming out of heaven. Uh, in Revelation 21, 15, it says, the angel who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. So lots of symbolism in Revelation. Um, but there are 12 foundations here. What are the 12 foundations? You got the 12 tribes, 12 tribes of the earth, 12 Anunnaki bloodlines, right? Uh, the entire biblical canon, including other spiritual texts, are all about the Anunnaki embattlement going on, the war of the gods, if you will, right? Don't believe me, go read the ancient myths out of Samaria, and then we'll talk. And if you haven't listened to my podcast, I've, I've done probably 100 episodes on that at this point. So just go back in time or search Anunnaki on my channel, and you're going to find a ton of different data ton of different data 
<clears throat> so Revelation 21, let's see. I'm looking for the full. Then one of the seven angels with the seven bowls full of the seven plagues came and he said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife, and the lamb. Okay, again, very symbolic here. If you watched my seven scrolls or seven seals video, you know that all of those seven lampstands, the seven angels, the seven plagues, the seven scrolls, everything, it's the seven chakras. It's what happens when you awaken as a human being. Um, and I don't know how I can prove that other than you just have to experience it and like read it and open your chakras and actually deal with what happens. And then you go, oh, oh, okay. And so I did a couple of different episodes, one of them fairly recently. You can search that on my channel as well. Um, so here we are in 2110, Revelation 2110. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. And he showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God. Okay. It's coming out of heaven and it, where does it rest? It rests over the Holy land says it was shining the glory of God. It's radiance was the most precious jewel, like a Jasper stone clear as crystal sounds very similar to barrel. As we talked about in Ezekiel here, all of these things have very, very similar type technology, if you will. It's very, very fascinating. So, uh krista says cub have you heard of the theory that re uh revelation already happened and that this is the thousand year of satan's reign yes i have and i actually i actually can believe that um because and you know i'm gonna drop a a nugget here for anybody with eyes to see and ears to hear what if god was satan and what if satan was god what if for the past 2,000 years, at least the last 1,000 years, we've built an entire world religion based on a particular version of a judgmental, warmongering, perfection-focused deity that Jesus literally said, no, you are worshiping Satan, your father who is Satan, God must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. No one has seen God at any time. And they're like, no, no, no. All of our prophets did. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Enoch, Noah. Like everybody met with God. Moses met with God face to face. He stood in the doorway of the tent and it says he met with God face to face. And Jesus says, no, no man has met God face to face. He literally says that. Like I can't make that up. Now, why don't you hear this in church? Because you're not going to. That's my answer. Well, Cub, if it's true, then why don't the churches teach this? Because you're just not going to hear it. You're just not going to hear it. And here's why. Is it because it's a massive conspiracy to cover up the truth? No. Is it because there's some huge, evil, alien entity that wants to blind everyone to the truth? No. Is it because we have 2,000 years of tradition? No. 
Is it because we have 10 plus thousand years of tradition? Yes. Okay. You cannot rewire overnight 10K worth of years of programming the human genome to worship something outside of themselves. Even if that something never existed, that many people agreeing on an archetype for God in the movies, in TV, in videos online, God is judgmental. God requires perfection. He had to unalive his son so he could love you. That doesn't make any sense. And I know people are going to argue, no, he didn't do that. He already loved you. He did that so that you could be with him because you're sinful. No, Jesus says there is no sin. By the way, if you go read the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Thomas, he says, no, there is no such thing as sin. You create sin because you do that which you consider sinful. So then why was he unalived? Maybe he was unalived because he spoke something that people didn't want to hear period. You mean all of my problems are my fault? You mean all the issues we have in the world, it's our fault? Well, if God is within us, then what have we been doing with him? If the kingdom and the rule of God is within us, then why have we been making sacrifices? Why have we been following a moral law? Because the only way to access that information within you or that algorithm of God within you is to sit in a place of non-judgment, non-dualism, observe things as they are, know your true self. But nobody wants to do that. Well, Cub, I want God to work my problems out. God works all things for the good of those who love him. Well, let's tweak that a bit. The universal algorithm works all things for the good of those who yoke themselves with the highest good. We have to understand we had biblical authors that wrote things from a certain cultural point of view and from a tradition standpoint. Doesn't make it true, doesn't make it not true. Just makes it what it is. The Flying Scroll and Zechariah. I'm going to get to some questions and stuff. i got to get through all of these. There's a bunch of them today. So, The Flying Scroll, Zechariah 5.1. I'm going to plug that in over here to our trusty tool and see where we get here. Okay, Zechariah 5.1. We're going to look at the parallel. Here we go. Okay. Again, I lift up my eyes and saw before me a flying scroll. What do you see? Asked the angel. I see a flying scroll, I replied. 20 cubits long and 10 cubits wide. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a flying scroll. And he said to me, this is the curse that is going out over the whole land. For according to what it says... On one side, every thief will be banished, and according to what it says on the other, everyone who swears falsely will be banished. Well, this sounds pretty esoteric, Cobb. The Lord Almighty declares, I will send it out 
By the way, the Lord Almighty here, if you look into Hebrew, it's the proper name of the God of Israel, Yahweh. So it's a particular deity. Yahweh was one of 70, 70, count them, 70 children, 70 gods from the Canaanite pantheon, the pre-Hebrew pantheon. That's an unpopular thing to say, but I'm just going to say it because I can read and I can do the studying and I can read things like the Baal cycle. I can understand that Baal and Yahweh were at each other's throats all the time. And in the Christian tradition, Baal is this evil God. Oh, people made sacrifices to this God. You don't understand. And he wanted, and, and the children that were lost because of this God. Well, look at what the other God did. Millions of Egyptian children, according to the scripture, right? I don't know if it really happened or not, but I'm just saying the archetype, you know, it's kind of like the pot calling the kettle, right? Who Who's the worst one? Who's more evil? I don't know. Joy Causer says, Bail that they burned little babies and animals to Baal at Babylon. Yeah, they did the same thing to Yahweh, by the way. If you go read it, well, Cub, that's not in the Bible. Well, go read the Canaanite scriptures. Go read the Sumerian scriptures. Okay, people made sacrifices to Anki. Doesn't mean he wanted them. People made sacrifices to Enlil. He liked them. And one of these gods liked them. In fact, I can show you exactly where Yahweh liked it. He says that the burning of the sacrifice was a sweet smell to his nostrils. Well, God doesn't have nostrils cut. He does. He does if he looks like that. He does if he's a multidimensional, interdimensional, extraterrestrial entity who incarnates here or manifests himself here or warps here or travels through a portal or whatever you want to consider it and thinks he's better than us lowly, half-animal, half-alien, little G-gods because there are no other gods before me. And Jesus said, ye are gods and the scriptures cannot be broken. And Yahweh said, it has been said that you are gods, but I tell you today, you will die like men. Jesus said, it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth, but I tell you. What did Yahweh say? I will take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You can't make this stuff up, guys. So the biggest conspiracy of all, when it comes to looking at this stuff, extra dimensional beings, what's really going on here? Who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? We've asked that question for so long and we have failed to ask that question of ourselves. What if we are the character in the story? Genesis 15, 17, in the fourth generation, your descendants will return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, 
Behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the halves of the carcasses. You want to talk about a bloodbath? Go look at the way this God in the Bible, the biblical God, liked his sacrifices. Okay, he didn't just want them unalived. He wanted them cut up, drawn, and quartered, and barbecued for him. Certain seasonings, what we call seasonings, what they called sacred herbs, had to be applied. They had to be cut and quartered and laid out in a proper manner over coals. Guys, I live in Texas and we do this every Sunday. It's called barbecue. So why did this guy want his barbecue and why did he send a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch to go and pick it up for him? Because that's all that was able to be seen by the naked eye. If you guys have watched, there was just a UFO video dropped on the interwebs. I believe it was this morning or today was the first I had seen of it. And it they call it the jellyfish UFO. And it was over in the Middle East uh, back in 2008 during one of the battles going on over there. And it looks like a jellyfish floating. But the tentacles don't move. It's just like moving in time and space. And the only way they were able to see it was with a infrared camera. You couldn't see it with the naked eye other than like, I guess, a distortion or maybe the top of it. They couldn't really find it with the visual tracker with the normal spectrum. They had to put infrared on it, the FLIR camera, basically, to find this thing and look at the heat signature of it. And by the way, it went from hot to cold really quick, multiple times. Even in the video, it'll go black and white, black and white. And it's just flat immediately, immediately heating up and then discharging all of that heat and getting super cooled. Yeah, Joy Causer says it looks like a robot. Exactly. I think I think it does too. I mean, it's definitely like an extraterrestrial drone. A guy dropped a video today talking about it, and he theorized that, you know, when you see the, the cows being taken up, you know, we've got those little memes and stuff with the UFO and the cow being me- beaming up. And then you've got these things that have physical, multi-dimensional, extra-dimensional claws on them to pick stuff up, but you can't see them in the 3D with our eyes, right? So all you see is either the top of it where there's more density for it to show up in the visible spectrum, or you have to use something like infrared to even see the thing. And so it would obviously look like something was levitating if it had picked it up like a cow. This happens, apparently these things have been seen with the right technology around where, uh, you know, a lot of cattle mutilations and stuff have been found. We also see orbs around that area. And it makes me wonder and theorize what if orbs have a whole lot more structure to them than we think, we just don't see them. Or what if there's a whole lot of different classifications, just like we have a million different brands and makes and vehicles on the road. We've got tractors, we've got cranes, we have four wheelers and dirt bikes, and we have trucks and pickups and semis and all kinds of stuff for different things. Why wouldn't they, right? Joy Causer says, I uh, heard of these in England years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's man-made. It's ours, Timothy says. Possibly. Possibly, but who gave it to us? That's the question. 
I mean, we've been sitting with sticks and stones for thousands of years and all of a sudden we just like overnight, we've got all kinds of tech. That doesn't make sense. Come on, Zelda. There we go. My dog opened the door. Um, on that day, Yahweh made a covenant with Abraham saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. Now remember, the entire Old Testament is a battle for the pri the, the prized land between the rivers, the Mesopotamian land. This is where Enki and Enlil came down and they fought over this land. And Enki ended up being banished to the Absu, which was basically a saltwater marsh. Enki built the Akur, which is the pyramid or pyramids, or what is considered a mountain house. Um, and then you have that really auspicious line in the Old Testament where Yahweh says, I am Yahweh, your God. I have come out of Egypt. He literally says he's from Egypt. And then we've got Enlil in the Sumerian, who clearly built the Akur, which is the mountain houses or the pyramids. You can't make this stuff up, by the way. Is this mainstream? Absolutely not. Can I prove it? Absolutely not. But I can give you the data. I can tell you there are ancient myths that talk about this. And by ancient, I mean some of them are seven plus thousand years old. Joy Causer says that explains the sun thing after. Absolutely. Why do you think that even our biblical mythos is nearly identical to the Egyptian. Why do we think that Jesus had such a revolutionary message and why do we keep trying to make him the son of these deities rather than something altogether different? Personally, I think he's altogether different. I really dig Jesus, by the way. I'm a big fan of his work, big fan of his message. And by the way, I think he taught all of us how to be Christ's, how to be Christ's, not how to worship Jesus, not how to find our own personal savior, but how to know ourselves and become Christ's. Second Kings 2.11, you have requested a difficult thing, says Elijah. Nevertheless, if you see me as I am taken from you, it will be yours. But if not, then it will not be so. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire with horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went out up into heaven in a whirlwind. There is no way to understand this without reading the Hebrew. As they were walking along and walking together, suddenly a chariot, which is a vehicle, a team, a cavalry, a rider, or the upper millstone. What does a millstone look like? Think about what a millstone looks like. I'm going to type in upper millstone. We're going to look at this in Google real quick. An upper millstone is, you're just not going to believe this. It is a stone wheel with a hole in the center where a peg would go through. In fact, this is almost the exact same definition of what we're looking at 
in Ezekiel with the wheel inside the wheel. This is a chariot, an upper millstone of fire, a wheel of fire with horses. Interesting. Horses is what the main translation says, but it's actually a bird. If you look up Strong's 5483, again, you, it is impossible to understand the Bible without digging into it, dissecting every piece of it. The truth is still there, but it is not what you hear in church. Okay. And I mean that in the most loving way. I'm not saying I have truth. I'm not telling you they are lying to you. I'm just telling you they don't understand because they are not taught to dig this deeply in and understand what this actually is talking about. The phonetic spelling of this is S-O-O-S. The translation of this is C-U-W-C, a kua or suas, a swallow or a swift type of bird. This has nothing to do with horses, okay? It was put in there because it was the only vehicle for the rider to try and get a, get across what they were trying to say. So this is literally a wheel of fire with a swift bird of fire. What do we think this is actually trying to say? So cubism on this is the writer is actually trying to tell us that it is a fast flying wheel that looks like it's on fire. It is emanating so much light that it appears to be on fire. Pretty sure we've seen videos of those. What do y'all think? Hexkin says we can't see certain spectrums of light. Absolutely. We only see like 2% of the visible spectrums. I don't know about y'all, but that the fiery chariots and second Kings again, it's literally, it's literally talking about what it's talking about in Ezekiel. It's talking about an Ophanim. It's a different writer with a different perspective, trying to convey the same thing, a vehicle that's illuminating light. How is it illuminating light? Because it's using anti-gravity technology and it is creating some sort of illumination through that, right? You look at these orbs that float around. It's got to be the same thing, I think. By the way, Abraham's orbs, one of the descriptions there, I didn't even get deep into it. It looked like enfolding amber enfolding amber genesis 15 17. let me jump back to that and see if i can find more data on that um da, 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 da. when they have passed between the carcasses so they float between it i didn't even get deep into this but it's like these two orbs float between it literally sounds like orbs and they float between it. And this is after he goes into a deep sleep. Let's see if I can find. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell asleep into a deep sleep. And suddenly a great terror of darkness overwhelmed him. This is Genesis 15, 12. And then now we're in 15, 13. 
Then the Lord said to Abraham, For certain, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated four hundred years. But I will judge the nation that they serve as slaves for, and afterward I will depart with many they will depart with many possessions. And you got to remember, this God was buying people just like every other God. These gods own planets, they own bloodlines, they own people. Okay. The, the, you know, you're working for the red sports car. These gods were trading an entire bloodlines, an inheritance. These are my people. I will inherit these people. Very interesting, right? Orbs range in size from a golf ball to a large two-story house. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Steven says, sounds like a rocket. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rodney says, 100%. Teresa says, three alien faces. Absolutely. Uh, so that's where it gets really interesting. Now we're going to get into the star of Bethlehem here. And I want to talk about that because this really was something I wanted to talk about over Christmas. I never really got into it, unfortunately. Um, Voxter says, yes, celebrities sometimes have those bloodlines, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now that we don't have kings and queens. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, this this is all archetypal structure of how our entire 3D matrix is set up, right? Uh, there's a great book by Jonathan Cain. I don't agree with everything he says, but it's called Return of the Gods. And there's another one by him called The Paradigm. The Paradigm is the one I've personally read. It's absolutely fascinating about how all of these weird things line up with people that are here in the 3D that look and act and, and do all the same things and all the signs that these ancient gods did. And it's like they're connected directly to those lines. So, excuse me. Kings without a kingdom, exactly. Um... Who were the elderly men that gave gifts at birth? I'm going to explain that here in a minute too. Um, before I get into this, hope you guys are with me. Uh, this has kind of been a, I don't know, maybe a difficult one because it directly addresses like my upbringing and like my Christian belief system that I grew up with, which I do not claim anymore. Um, in fact, I do not consider myself a Christian. I do consider myself a Christ. I do consider myself a brother of Jesus or Yeshua. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm your savior, by the way, but I do believe that we are all a Christ within. I believe that, uh, you know, he said the son of man, this, the son of man, that. If you look up the translation on that, it literally means offspring of humanity, period. That's what it means. Okay. And so he was basically saying, uh, humanity must dot, 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 humanity, this humanity, that when he would refer to himself, it's, he's like, I am the allegory. I am the great collective, right? Like think about it that way. So, um, yeah, exactly. Dirk, exactly. And your point is well taken Dirk, because no, if I, then they didn't have any understanding. They, they clearly would have seen these as divine beings. We are desensitized to them now because we see them in movies and television and they make fun of them. But in the old times, 
they didn't understand. They they saw that there was a direct correlation between the beings that would fly in the clouds and lightning would chase them, these orbs going around, and then when they would land, they would offer sacrifices. Now, remember, these days, cattle mutilations still happen, so clearly these ETs are still feeding themselves. They just don't have people to offer the sacrifice for them. So they didn't understand what they were dealing with. And now you got a whole lot of people that are starting to wake up and go, wait a minute. So if that's true, then you're actually my creator and I'm actually your child and I have a birthright. And that means that I am not your slave. So that's a whole different understanding there. But I get exactly what you're saying. No, they didn't know what aliens were back then. They had no idea. I mean, you talk about an archaic people see something come from the stars. They didn't even, they couldn't even like jump off the ground more than a few feet much less actually fly into outer space, go past the what, what is called the firmament in the biblical text, what is actually the ionosphere. The ionosphere has a ton of uh, nearly magical properties, uh, but scientifically it has some really incredible things. And when you hit it with a rocket, it literally discharges these photons uh, that are like phosphorescent and they just light up the atmosphere. It looks like blue waves. Um, and if they were seeing that happen back then, they would see that and look at that as the ocean and call that the waters above or the firmament above. And so we got to understand like where all of this thinking came from. They're going to look at what they saw here and what they saw there. They may have even had phosphorescent algae, which they could have looked at, or bioluminescent algae, actually, uh, which they could look at. Uh, phosphorescent is when a mineral does it, actually, and bioluminescence is when a biologic does it. Um, but you know, they could look at that in the ocean and go, that's the same thing that I see when the gods leave up there and they're going through the ocean above. Right. And that's why you get a lot of people today that think that there's a literal ocean above us or some sort of encapsulating bubble. And that's like, don't think like an archaic person, guys, understand the modern science behind it and then understand the esoteric revelation behind it to try and understand what was happening and what Jesus's real message was, which was ye are gods. Like, why are you serving that which created you? Uh, because the true father welcomes you back with open arms. You don't make a sacrifice. In fact, he's going to throw a party for you. Uh, he even said that, you know, that is not my mother. My mother is everyone who does the will of my father. My true mother gives me life. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Because again, pre-biblical um, and pre-patriarchy, we had a divine feminine and divine masculine balanced system of spirituality, which we unfortunately don't have now. And if you do, you get called a heretic or even worse, right? Unfortunately. So Teresa says, we all have the bloodline. Exactly. At this point, guys, we are all a mix of all of it. And we all have birthright. We all have authority. Uh, we all have an inheritance. We all have sovereignty. We are all the children of the gods. And therefore, quit worshiping and serving. Worship means enslavement. Quit being enslaved by that which actually created you and align with them as brothers, mothers, fathers, sisters, all of those things like, you know, arm in arm, let's do this together and raise the collective. Like you can hold them accountable too. And if they're going to hold you accountable, you hold them accountable. Like let's run you know, Yahweh through his law that he gave through Moses and see if he fits that standard, right? Probably doesn't. Thou shalt not unalive being one of the first ones, right? Well, he did a lot of that. So maybe, 
maybe I'm not crazy. And maybe this all actually fits together and makes sense. If we just look at it from the right perspective, quit thinking about it like an, a scared, archaic person who's just worried if the crops will come up or not and start looking at it like a highly evolved, highly intelligent, ascended human being who understands who created them. The aliens, the Anunnaki, the extra dimensionals that are all over the Bible. And Jesus says, no, that is not the true father. The true father is in spirit. He's invisible. In fact, it's a force, the father and the mother. And that is within each of us. And you must worship in spirit and in truth. And to worship in the term he used is to yoke, yoga. You become one with that energy within you, the spirit of the father and the mother within you. And you become a Christ. You literally bear light. So that's the whole, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the gospel. It's the whole point that everybody's missed for 2000 years. It's the whole point of the Bible to realize what was going on, what's going on now. And exactly when they return, what you should not do. Okay. You will know a tree by its fruit and the ones that bear good fruit are your friends. The ones that do not are probably here to dominate, are probably here to divide, right? It's a divinity tool, exactly. So I hope you guys have enjoyed that today. I'm going to go ahead and take some questions and stuff now, and we'll dig a little bit deeper in the last part here. Uh, but before I do that, please consider checking out my website at cubcooker, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com, where you can join my private mythos community. If you like what I'm talking about, you like how I connect things. You like how I think. You're going to love our community, okay? We're not a commune. We're not a cult. We're not anything weird like that. It's literally a Patreon membership to support more content. We also have a really awesome off-social media community. It's private. It's a safe space. It's an awesome community off of social media. You don't have to worry about your mom, your dad, your pastor, your brother, all of that being on there too, unless they join if you invite them. Uh, but you can actually share your authentic thoughts over there. You can get feedback from other community members. There's also a live Zoom meetup every single weekend with myself and the rest of the community where you can actually get to know me, get to know other people, make real friends uh, who are open-minded and really looking at all of this data from different points of view and actually exploring it. We get deep into different subjects this Saturday. Uh, you don't want to miss it. We've got one of our sisters, Ashley, who's going to be on with me, uh, going over some really, really crucial data about the Zodiac and how it connects to each and every human being to try and understand your algorithm and your specific place within the great algorithm. We're going to look at that this weekend. You don't want to miss that, by the way. If you do miss it or you work on Saturdays or something like that, no worries. I record every one of these calls and they all go into an archive where you can go back and watch all of the replays and you can hear all the different lessons and discussions that we've had, which are much more intimate and much more in-depth than even the podcast is. If you like how deep I go here, you're going to really love those calls. It's one of the best places uh, where you can really open up and share about yourself. And even if you're not comfortable doing that, you get to hear other people open up and understand that you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone in 2024. There's also a bonus video section where I get to share things I can't on social media. 
Um, I get to be a little bit more candid with you guys and just share what's actually going on with my life. I post over there quite a bit as well. So you can go check all of that out. There's a fantastic app you can download. You can do it on your computer and bookmark it. Everything though is through cubcooker, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. Right now, starting at only $9 a month, it's still on sale with a heavy discount right now. If you lock that in, you're going to be locked in for as long as you're a member until you cancel. Even when I go up, I just went up on the price. Don't worry though, because I've added even more value and we've got so much good things coming, so many amazing things coming. So be sure and join now while it's nine bucks before it keeps going up. Uh, Cause the more members we get, the more I have to go up on this because the overhead of running a group and needing to hire people and, and all kinds of stuff. So right now, We've got over 150 members. Thank you to each and every one of you. Don't miss out. And right now, between now and January 30th or 31st or whatever the end of the month is, I don't even remember, uh, whenever it times out, uh, you actually get a second membership free. So I'm giving you a second membership. You can give it to anybody you want uh, as long as they're not in the community now and they're new. Uh, you can give it to mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, cousin, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, whatever, it doesn't matter. You get to bring someone else along, whether they use it or not is up to them, but it's a great way to just say, Hey, you know, significant other, I really want to do this this year. I want to meet some new people. I want to have more authentic, you know, conversations like we do, you know, the conversations we have in the car or the conversations we have at coffee. I want to have more of those. And here's a really cool community that we can do that with. So it's a great way that you can give away one. The BOGO right now, buy one, get one. Uh, don't miss that between now and the end of January. And then I'm going to close that offer out. So get it locked in while you can. Thank you for the support. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and by the way, you will thank me because you will love the community. You will resonate with it. You will have a fantastic experience. If you don't, you can cancel anytime. It's totally up to you. Uh, so there is no pressure. I don't lock you in. You're only locked in for the duration of whatever membership you choose. So if you choose month to month, you can cancel. You choose a yearly one, you can get two months free plus get the free membership right now. Um, and then you're like, you can commit to a year and cancel if you want, and then you still have a year. So you don't, don't have to worry about it, guys. Um, I'm not, uh, one of these big corporations that's just going to change the price on you and stuff. So I'm here to serve you guys and I promise to serve you. You can ask anyone in the community. I serve very well. Um, and it's going to be a great way for you to open up and explore your own mythos in 2024. That's what the podcast is about. That's what my mission is. That's what I do every single day. And I promise to continue to help you do that inside our membership. So please consider that. Thank you so much. I'd love to meet you. If you do join today, I will personally welcome you over there and send you a welcome video today. So thank you guys so much. The Star of Bethlehem. This is probably one of my favorite ones. You know, growing up with this story, you've got the uh, you've got the manger scene. You've got the wise men, the cattle that are lowing. You have this really romantic scene set up, right, for the the birth of the Christ child. So, spoiler alert: the entire birth of Christ story is something that was added after the fact. Okay, it was added. There are esoteric things in there. 
There's also an effort to try and tie the old experiences in the Old Testament to Jesus himself and make sure that he was a divine bloodline. Whether he was or not, or whether he even cared, I don't know. But there was a, a clear effort made. You can go look at the history of the Bible, go take an actual course on it. You can take any college course and learn the canonization of the Bible and understand that it is not what we've been told within the church. It was a very messy process, and it was anything but God just reaching out of the heavens and putting a book on the earth and saying, this is my word. That just didn't happen. This is a bunch of people that put this thing together uh, for good, bad, or ugly. And the story of the birth of Christ is no different. You have a very unique mythos in that. Again, it being added to several of the actual canonical Gospels. If you look at the Gnostic Gospels, it's not even in there. The Gnostic Gospels are not concerned with what bloodline he's from, how he was born, when he was born, any of that stuff. They're concerned with what his message was. Now, let's flash that back, though, and understand that there's a thing called astral theology. Astral theology, meaning theology derived from the stars, from the heavenly bodies. And this is a beautiful understanding, and it's very, very poignant when you start to understand it. So the three wise men, okay, they were, if they were real, and if it happened, they were most likely Zoroastrian priests, uh, understanding the mysteries, bringing the ancient mysteries, the magos, meaning that they are magicians, like real quantum magicians who are able to do all of the things that the alleged fallen angels are judged for teaching. They're able to do all of these things. They know how to divine things. They know how to create things. They know how to do things like alchemy of the soul, things like that, right? Um, so if they're real in 3D life, then that's what they are. On an astral theological scale, they are Orion's belt, the three wise men. They hold up the, the literal pants of Orion, right? Like they're uh, they're these three guys that are very wise. We understand that the Palladian star system, uh, the highly evolved Palladian beings who are psychically connected and teach higher frequency, higher love consciousness. They are light bearers. Okay. They are Luciferian. Um, it's very, very interesting. So none of that's bad, by the way, if, if any of that triggered you, uh, <gasps> Lucifer, okay, you got to rework your understanding. I did an entire series on Jesus is Lucifer. Jesus is the bearer of light. He says, when I'm in the, I'm in the world, there's light in the world. Lucifer was the bright and morning star. Um, I got, I got deep into that a while ago. So, uh, my wife is reading a book called, uh, revelation of the Magi, the story of the three wise men. She's reading it as we are here. That is awesome. Rodney. That is awesome. I think I've read that actually. I think I have that. Uh, it was very interesting. Um, but with that said, there's astral theology and then there's the literal interpretation of he's born of a virgin. Okay. Well, the esoteric is, that you have to have a virgin spirit. You have to have this spirit of um, openness, the spirit of, um, hey, I don't know anything. I haven't known any knowledge before this, right? Like it's it's a very esoteric thing. We can get deep into that. But the star here, okay, the star here is often, often considered um, a UFO, right? The star in the east. 
Um, it's not explicitly a UFO, but it does have very, very strong ringings of if it is a literal thing, um, it moves. It even rests over where he's born at a certain point, right? Like we have a very, very weird uh, definition of this thing as we go. So it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. So we're going to look at the Greek on that. Um, Iesu is Jesus, remember. Um, the Magi, M-A-G-O-I, Magoi, a sorcerer, magician, or wizard of foreign origin, a scientist of the Orient, I don't know how to get, I don't know how to say that they were yogis. They were metaphysicians. They were sorcerers, practicers of magic. And they came from the East and arrived in Jerusalem. He asked, they asked, where is the one who has been born? King. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead here. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. We got to get to the star part. When he had called together all the people's chief priests, teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Isis Ra El. Remember all the esotericism in this. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Okay, that he's looking for when did this thing show up in the sky? Okay, this star, a lot of people argue, oh, it was probably a comet. Guys, this thing moved. It literally guided them through the desert. It appeared and it stayed there. And it moved with them. I mean, if you read it and read into it, it, it's very clear what this thing did. So uh, as soon as you find him, report to me. And what what does this sound like, by the way? Pillar of smoke by day, pillar of fire by night. Okay. The cigar-shaped UFO that was clearly leading the Israelites through the desert. Now this appears again, again from a different author, from a different author here. And I'm going to look at what the star had appeared says here so in the greek i already know what it is but i'm going to read it it's the asteros a star probably from the base of stronumai a star literally or figuratively aster is it if you remember um in the marvel movie guardians of the galaxy uh the bad guy ronan drives a starship and it's called the dark aster that means the dark star that's what th this literal word here aster is what is used so aster a star or stars 
again is looking like a star and this is a different a different interpretation a different author most likely trying to tie this back to the time when the israelites walked through the desert and were guided by their own star their own burning pillar right um maybe this one's a different shape i don't know but again huge effort was made to try and tie the birth of Jesus back to the Old Testament and make sure that he fulfilled all the prophecies. If he did, great. If he didn't, I don't care. It doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't matter to me. He still had the perfect philosophy, in my humble opinion. He still revealed that you are a child of the living God, okay? Not the extraterrestrial God. Okay, maybe they made us. Maybe they created the human genome but your spirit is literally the offspring of the father and mother. You are actually a divine child within, with the reign of God within you. And the biggest issue with all of this is our definition of God. Our definition of God is the biggest thing that screws up our whole understanding. Because if you tell one person God, they go, oh yeah, he's invisible. He knows everything. Another person, oh yeah, he's a judge. He came down, he did this, blah, blah, blah. To another person, oh yeah, he's probably an alien. It's our definition. And just the term God has really screwed up a lot of people's understanding. That's why Jesus used the word theos, theos, which means supreme divinity. He's saying the supreme divinity is in spirit and truth. By the way, the Hindu calls it the supreme being or the Brahman. Pretty interesting that Jesus used the same type of terminology. Thank you for the roses, 3EM. I appreciate you guys. By the way, if you want to support the channel, maybe you're not ready for a membership, or maybe you've already joined and you're like, I just want to do more. Cub is awesome. I love what he's doing, and I want to make sure he shows up tomorrow and that he can pay all of his bills, and that he can build a studio and hire a team and take this message far and wide. You can support me with tips, stars on Facebook, gifts on TikTok, supers on youtube and now you can go over to my website cub cooker c-u-b-k-u-k-e-r.com scroll down click on the paypal logo and you can tip me over on paypal directly if you want to cut out the middleman there it's totally cool with me you can give a bigger tip over there too david thank you for the tiktok hat bless you my friend i appreciate you those are all great ways to support the channel. Drop them like they're hot. What is my uh, my goal today? Thank you for the flaming eyes. I appreciate it. We're at 20 of 2,000. So let's run it up. Run the clock up. Run the points up right now. If you got gifts, if you got roses, if you got stars on Facebook, drop them like they're hot. You don't want to keep them forever, right? I mean, you might as well drop them to a creator that you love, right? So thank you, guys. I appreciate your support on what I'm doing here. Almighty DTR says, uh, hey, Cub, thank you for your insight. You made me look at things differently. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. I hope you uh, I hope you not only look at things differently, but you approach things differently. I hope you research differently. I hope you look in different places. I hope you quit the expectation that somehow you're going to get it. Somehow you're going to get it overnight and you just get into the idea of full experience of it. And uh, I know you will. I know you will, my friend. Keep coming back. I got great content coming out all the time. Be sure and bookmark my page. Follow, turn the bell on wherever you're at. You're on YouTube. So make sure you turn the little bell notification on. Uh, and I appreciate everybody for your support. Thank you so much. 
Almighty DTR says, I don't have any money, but I send you a thank you. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. I will accept that frequency all day long of gratitude. That does a lot for me. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, been going since 2011. Good for you, my friend. Good for you. Keep it up. Um, I really started my deconstruction in 2020, oddly enough. You know, before that, I was a pretty run of the mill believer in the Christian doctrine, though I probably questioned it more than most. Even growing up, I was always the annoying kid that'd be like, but why, but why, but why, but why? You know, my Sunday school teachers, I'm still friends with my old Sunday school teachers, by the way. And I think that they would corroborate my statement on uh, me being the annoying kid who always had something to say about the scripture. You know, what if it was this? What if it was that? Well, I don't know. That's not really what it says. And that's not really what we believe. So, so I definitely asked a lot of hard questions growing up. Conscious Choices A to Z says, uh, great job. You've traveled so far in a short amount of time. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Uh, if you got comments or questions, drop them now. I'm going to stay on for a few more minutes and make sure that I answer anything. There's a QR code on the screen. If you're on TikTok or Instagram or you're listening on the interwebs of the podcast on Spotify or Apple, you can always hit up my bio, my profile, the description, wherever's convenient for you and find my official website there, click on over and you'll just see a couple of membership options. Um, that's going to be the best way to get involved with what I'm doing. Okay. Don't look at it as a money thing. Look at it as an investment. Okay. You invest in a cup of coffee, you invest in uh, a streaming network to entertain your family, whatever, invest in yourself. Okay. I don't, I don't always use that terminology, but I mean it. Every single person that's a part of the community, over 150 people now, thank you guys. They believe it's an investment. They are in it. They are in it for the long haul. We have one of the highest retention rates of any community online, any of the patron communities. Uh, even my peers are like a little bit jealous of like, how do you keep people for so long? Uh, guys, it's you. It's the people. It's It's the frequency that we emanate here and truth and love and just authentic exploration and respect of each other. You, you can't reproduce that. Like I can't, uh, I can't just sell that. You have to experience it. So please consider joining. There's a QR code. Let me grab some questions here. Um, do I think Kukul Khan? Okay, let, let me answer this. So what do you think Kukul Khan was portrayed as a winged serpent in the Mesoamerican history? Okay, a couple of things. Again, uh, these are all like, what did people have to paint with? They only had so much imagery um, and they had to paint with a flying serpent because, okay, so the flying serpent was literally depicted. What did I just read? Um, as let me look at it. Da, 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 this, the chariot of fire in second Kings two eleven. Elijah being taken up in a whirlwind. Okay. The whirlwind is present by the way, in all of these other ancient prophecies. Also, the star beings, which look just like greys, those are also painted in Mesoamerica. Mount Yango in Australia has their creator god, Baime, who looks just like a grey alien. You can go look that up. I did a, a feature on that, maybe episode 100 or 60-something. I don't know. It's been a while ago. I need to redo that one. You know, that God came down on that mountain, delivered a written law, a written set of agreements on how people should live. Uh, but they had a feathered serpent. In fact, it was a rainbow serpent 
that would strew across the sky. Now, what does that sound like? Um, Again, it's a shiny bird, a flying serpent. What's a serpent? A serpent in Hebrew is naosh, which is a shining one. It's a revealer of knowledge. These are all like, you know, esoteric symbols used. They they would see a serpent with the iridescent skin, and then they would see these craft, and they would go, that looks really similar. And then they would realize that these beings came out of those craft, and so the, the, the big god was the craft. The little gods are the messengers. The angels were the beings inside. So, like, these archaic peoples didn't, like, fully understand what they were looking at. They, you know, they would look at Elon Musk now with the rocket. They'd be erecting these giant, you know, white cylindrical objects. Um, and then they'd be showing Elon Musk with his, you know, uh, his car. You know, they'd be worshiping that. And so that's, uh, it doesn't mean they were stupid at all, by the way. It just means archaic. They didn't have frame of reference the, until you continually see it. Then you get used to it, then you understand it, then you study it, then you know it, then you can build it, so on and so forth. That's part of evolution. And just like we today still see technology we don't understand in the skies, and in a way we're just totally in awe, and we may not worship and bow down to it, but it really takes us aback. It sets us on our heel, like, what is going on? Like, what even is this? You know, Is it an angel? Is it an alien? Is it What is it? And so we have like all of these feelings and thoughts and emotions and things that we cannot quantify. Well, flash forward the next one, two, three thousand years when we're making these things and we're traveling, we're able to transmute ourselves into a tiny ball of light and shoot across the sky and then manifest ourselves again on another planet. We may just be doing what we call interplanetary or interdimensional exploration because we're interdimensional knots instead of cosmonauts or astronauts. Uh, we are interdimensional knots and that's normal to us. And, and kids grow up and they go to their, their training and they want to become an interdimensional knot. And that's, that's a highest, you know, goal for them. Just like kids today. I want to be an astronaut. I want to do this. Um, and so when it becomes normal and we understand it and we can actually repeat it, then the worship goes away and the rep, uh, the reproduction of that thing becomes a possibility. And I think in a few thousand years, we might actually be there ourselves if we continue to not get sidetracked uh, by all of the different war and power and geopolitical and economic and all the stuff, right? Like quit getting distracted by it. Start making decisions. What did I say earlier at the very beginning of this? Mind, body, and spirit. It's your thoughts, your actions, and your emotions all yoked together start making all of that go towards the highest good for humanity. And then we end up somewhere. Exactly. The white rabbit. Exactly. Ryan. Thank you, my friend rabbit hole. Uh, I think their presence is the reason why we're having out of body experiences occasionally right now, guys, I was dizzy all morning, dizzy all morning. I don't know what's going on. You got all this stuff in the news about the mall. And then now this one, this morning with the the uh, UFO footage coming out of the military base, you know, and it's like uh, allegedly, you know, I don't know. The guy that released it's normally pretty. Uh, Jeremy Corbell is normally pretty spot on with with his theories and stuff, but um, I don't know. It's fascinating, guys. It's fascinating, and I'm not just interested in what the technology is. I'm not just interested in are they aliens. I want to know why they were worshipped. I want to know how they control our reality. I want to know what effect they have over us. And I want to understand exactly what people like Jesus, Buddha, and Krishna were teaching 
which is how to break outside of the matrix and set over it and become one of those gods that we either fear or worship or wonder about or theorize on. Like, let's become them. You know, what's the greatest thing that all of these aliens, you know, people actually, you know, have these abduction experiences and they talk to them and say, you know, what are you? One, one lady, you know, reportedly she said, yeah, she said, why are you so ugly to them? And uh, it, it just psychically said back to her, you know, you're going to look just like us soon. What? Like what? You know, what if that's our real body, by the way? What if we're playing a game with ourselves? What if that's actually where our spirit resides the best because we don't have to like sit here and do all the 3D things like, you know, I don't know. Or what if that's where evolution's heading? I don't know. All, all different relevant theories, right? Pretty fascinating to me. So, uh, Almighty DTR says most definitely. So they assimilated the ability to fly with what they knew at the time had the power of flight birds. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's, I mean, to me, that's the most probable explanation for that is they see something flying. They see the beings come out of it. Uh, the Bible calls them angels. I mean, even look at like in, uh, the city of Sodom, you know, they have, uh, the, the two angels come down. They were so attracted, the whole city, you know, wanted to have their way with them. They go into the house. They knew that they were men. They look, it says they appeared as men, but they knew they were angels somehow, probably because they're wearing some sort of space suit and they look just like us, but they're bigger, stronger, more perfectly built. Um, and they're wearing space suits because they're highly evolved. Like, you know, they, they somehow knew what they were. Uh, and why does the Bible talk about that all the time? And then why, when there's other angel experiences, are they clearly spacecraft um, or some sort of interdimensional craft, yet they consider them angels just like the Ophanim or the Seraphim? They're not actual entities so much as the technology the entities use to get around or to communicate. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant was clearly alien technology, right? I mean, you had to do certain things. It's a certain kind of wood. It had a certain insulator and it had a certain conductor and gold. Uh, they could hear the voice of Yahweh out of it. It also helped as a resonance device, being able to knock down the walls of Jericho. Um, you couldn't touch it or you'd be unalived. And it says that fire shot into their nostrils. That's exactly what happens. Like if you've ever read the reports of someone being electrocuted, severely you know it enters whatever orifice is open because it's the path of least resistance and with the most moisture um a lot of this again we can understand with modern science of what it what it might have been if it were real and why is it written down like it is if it weren't you know if it wasn't uh observed at some point or at least purportedly reserved and passed down you know i don't know it's pretty interesting so like the cherubim, exactly, exactly. Um, let's see. He had an alien speak to me in a dream. He said, we can't do what they do because of what we eat. Yeah, I mean, that's why you have a lot of yogis throughout history that their guides or their higher self or their aliens or their angels, whatever you want to call them. By the way, I think they appear to us as we need them to. Um, they uh, basically have a diet that's like fruit and nuts. You know, they're eating very, very renewable type things, you know, 
Um, and I think it's fascinating. So, and then that would make sense why like the archons are the ones which are the more the evil overlord aliens. They're the ones that wanted the the physical sacrifices of animals because they wanted to take the, the life essence of that animal and take it on themselves. By the way, you, it's the, the karmic cycle in Hinduism, if you understand that. And I'm not telling you eat meat, don't eat meat. I don't care. I'm just saying, uh, you know, I like barbecue. But at the same time, I know I feel, you know, certainly differently when I don't eat it, when I eat, you know, a big old salad, right? So, I mean, who knows? Who knows, right? Um, you know, one of one of the, the dreams or visions that I had with these entities in it, and this is something I haven't shared before, um, I was given a, a message or a word that said, fig trees of life, you are under his dream wake up you know and it was like it was calling me a fig tree of life like i i'm the fig tree of life and i'm asleep wake up this was right around my awakening time by the way i thought i was getting attacked by a demon like literally straight up thought i was being attacked by a demon um i'm going to share tomorrow we're going to do a whole thing on our aliens demons i'm going to get into it we're going to talk about the book of revelation uh, it talks about out of the mouth of the dragon will come two spirits, two demonic spirits who appear as frogs. We're going to look up that word. We're going to look at what they might look like and why is the book of Revelation, in my opinion, calling gray aliens demons. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Laura, thank you for being here. Honeybee says, yes, our spine is a tree. A fig is our seed. Exactly. Exactly, Melissa. By the way, all of that was before I got into Kundalini and yoga and all of that stuff. Uh, and third eye, it, it's, it was very, very interesting. So um, anyway, thank you guys. I love you so much. I appreciate you. If you are not a part of our Mythos community, guys, I have it so affordable. Okay, don't let that stand between you and the community you need. Invest in yourself. You can cancel anytime if you don't absolutely love it. Um, I believe that you will. That's why I offer that cancel anytime. There's no contracts. You're not locked in. Um, come and join us. Come see what, see what it's all about. Uh, just by having that in your pocket, you know that you have access and connectivity to a community of people that know you. They love you already. They accept you as you are. We're a multicultural, multi-faith, multi-orientation. I don't care who you are, where you do or don't go to church or who you're married to. You are loved, you are light, and I will continue to encourage you to seek within yourself and find the highest good for yourself and others every single day. I love you guys. Look forward to having you. Mikkel says, uh, what is your website? It's C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R, cubcooker.com. Just like my username at C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R, but it's C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com, cubcooker.com. It's also in my profile, in my bio, in the description. Wherever you're watching this, just look in the info section and you'll see my website there. So go check it out. Thank you. You bet, Mikkel. Look forward to it. Love to have you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all have a beautiful day. God bless you. Peace. Namaste. I'll see you tomorrow.